y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith America Podcast, Volume 26. Real special show this week uh, with my man, Deshaun Watson, quarterback of the Houston Texans. Of course, was a two-time Heisman finalist at Clemson University when he was a player there. And I got to know Deshaun very well while he was at Clemson because I covered the Tigers so often because they're really good, led by him uh, during his time there. And my first week of the college football season was a little bit nutty. Uh, I started at Notre Dame, Michigan in South Bend. I was there for several days. And then I got on an airplane from South Bend on Sunday morning, September 2nd, flew through Dallas to Tallahassee, Florida to cover Virginia Tech, Florida State on Monday night, September the 3rd. And while I was in South Bend, right before I left to head to Tallahassee, uh, I got notice from ESPN that they wanted me to do an interview with Deshaun before week one for NFL Countdown. And of course, I'm going to say yes to that. I was thrilled, honored, humbled. So after Florida State, Virginia Tech, I got up at 4.30 in the morning, flew from Tallahassee to Charlotte to Houston, and hung out with Deshaun for a while. And... You know, he's coming back from this season-ending knee injury before which he was putting together a season of historic proportions. He threw 19 touchdowns through seven games. Nobody ever done that before. And then, of course, he suffers the knee injury in practice. Richard Sherman lauded Deshaun, just lauded him, said, we've played everybody. We have played every single great quarterback, and this guy is the truth. As many of you guys know, Jalen Ramsey, the all-world defensive back for the Jacksonville Jaguars in a GQ article before the season, just roasted the whole damn league. I mean, he lit up everybody. And in that same article about Deshaun Watson, he said, a future MVP of the league, he's the man. And I wondered what that meant to Deshaun when in a time when there's a whole lot of chatter and nobody really has a whole lot of complimentary things to say about one another. These two guys who are so outspoken and so vocal about the competition were so complimentary. And it was a fascinating conversation. What's it like to come back from a knee injury again? It's not his first time he suffered a knee injury while he was at Clemson as well. And I just, uh, I appreciate him so much as a human being. I've told him this. I've told anyone who will listen this. I met uh, Bill O'Brien, the head coach for the Houston Texans, for the first time while I was down there. And I told him this. Deshaun Watson is a light in the world. He has a spirit and a grace and composure that you just don't see very often. And I've been fortunate to be around him a lot, and I have seen it, not just the way that he treats me personally, but also the way I see him treat everyone. Most of you know the story about him giving his first game check ever. He split it into thirds and gave it to some employees of the Texans that needed it after Hurricane Harvey about one year ago. So we get into all of those things during this conversation. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. It's one of the pleasures of my life to have gotten to do it. And uh, it's it's just great. Uh, I think you guys will learn a lot about Deshaun during this conversation. Before we get to Deshaun, though, we got to talk bacon, y'all. Guess what, bacon lovers? 
Now, with every single pack of Smithfield bacon you purchase, you can enter for a chance to win bacon for life. You heard me correctly, bacon for life. All the slow-smoked, crispy happiness you can handle, y'all. You wake up, boom, bacon. Need lunch during the big game? Boom, bacon. And for dinner, bedtime snack, or any other time of the day, I know I don't even need to say it, but I will anyway, bacon. You can baconify anything you want to. Bacon on s'mores, bacon on pancakes, even a regular BLT, but made with a mountain of bacon. No gimmicks, no tricks, just a whole lot of Smithfield bacon for life and for the win. And the chance to win it is yours right now. Look for specially marked packages of Smithfield bacon in stores or visit smithfield.com forward slash bacon for life for details. Flavor hails from Smithfield, y'all. No purchase necessary. This offer ends December 31st, 2018. Go to smithfield.com forward slash bacon for life to enter and for free entry instructions. Now that we've gotten the bacon love out of the way, because we love bacon, it's time for my wide-ranging conversation with Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson. How does your mindset entering year two compare to your mindset entering your rookie season? Uh, it's real different. I think just because I'm I'm more uh, a lot more smarter um, as far as the the knowledge of the game, um, how to approach the game, how to be a professional, and just especially be a professional quarterback. So um, everything is different. Last year I was just trying to go with the flow, um, just taking everything that comes with the game and everything that comes with you know being a starting quarterback and uh, you know being. You know, I guess the face of a, of a franchise, and it was a lot. But now I can uh, kind of pace myself and know what to expect. What comes with being the face of a franchise you didn't expect? Really, all the media stuff. I didn't realize. I thought Sorry, college. Man. <laughs> yeah, I thought college <laughs> had a lot of media stuff, but uh, once I got here, it's ten times more. Um, and then just the, really the attention. I mean, uh, I know, like I said before, you know, college I had a lot of attention on myself and a, a lot of weight on my plate. But this is this is big. I mean, this is what we do for a living: professional football, one uh, if not the you know craziest you know professional sport to you know the play. So it's cool. In coming back, what are you most looking forward to? Just getting back on the field, just having fun. Um, getting back to my old self, you know, smiles, scoring a lot of points, uh, making everyone else around me better, and, and just winning games. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different feel from just kind of, uh, you know, going out there and, and, and not really, uh, you know, not being able to play. And, and once you get back on that field, especially from a, a, a season-ending injury, you know, it's it's a lot more fun. At Clemson, before you ever took a snap, you wrote three goals on a piece of paper. What were they? Uh, first, graduate, win a national championship, and win the Heisman. Those and, are my three goals. And? You got two out of three. Two out of three. <laughs> two out of three, yeah. They were lofty. Right, right. For someone who'd never played. Is there? If I was to hand you a piece of paper right now and say, write me your goals as a Houston Texan, what are they? Honestly, it'd be the same thing. Um, you know, dream big. You know, win a Super Bowl, uh, win an MVP, and you know, one day be a Hall of Famer. Lofty. Yeah. You like lofty. Yes, sir. You gotta dream big. You know, you gotta dream big. I don't want to set myself short. When in your life has someone else's doubt in you been the fuel you needed to succeed? Um, What's a specific example you can give me? Uh. 
to think on that one. Um, I'd probably say when, I mean, just when the, the, the eyes been against me when I was a little kid, um, growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in. Um, you see this change, 815, 815 Harrison Square was a neighborhood. So everyone used to say that no one from that, that neighborhood would graduate high school. No one in that neighborhood would make it. Uh, you know, farther than Gainesville, and the numbers, you know, spoke for itself, and a lot of people didn't. Um, but you know, I was one of the few ones, you know, that was blessed enough to get it out, get out that neighborhood, and, and be sitting in this chair today. So, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, from my hometown used to say that. Why did you make it when others couldn't? Uh, oh no, I like I like the challenge. I like the resistance, and of course, the supporting cast around me, older guys. That you know that was in the neighborhood, um, you know the OGs that I looked up to at the time, <laughs> you know made sure I stayed on straight. They didn't you know surround myself with the street life or anything like that. They made sure I stayed in school and played football, because they knew I had something special. But at the same time, like I said, I like challenges. I like I like the resistance. I just gotta apply more pressure and, and uh, keep pushing forward. JJ Watt, Jadavian Clowney, Tyron Matthew, New Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, y'all loaded, dude. <laughs> What's the ceiling for this team? There's no ceiling. I mean, it's, the potential is, is is all the way up there. But you know, the names can't win us. You know, the names can't win us games on the field. We got to go out there and perform. And uh, you know, it's a lot of other teams, 31 teams that have great athletes, great you know, great professional football players. But we got to you know go out there and perform each and every week and be consistent with it. November second, 2017. What do you remember about that day? Uh, yeah, that was a day, uh, it, it was tough. Um, you know, when I found out that, you know, my ACL was torn and it was just, it was shocking to me because I didn't feel anything in my knee. You know, I had my left one done in college and I knew right when I tore it out when I, I was, I was done. Uh, but with this one, I thought it was just kind of a, you know, a sprain where I kind of twist my knee up a little bit and just kind of, you know, I jogged off the field and didn't feel any pain, but, you know, the, the MRI and the results came back, you know, different. What did you do? When the news was broken to you, what was your immediate reaction? And, and what did you do? Did you call somebody? Did you- uh, I was sitting in a hospital bed, and the doctor came in, Dr. Lowe came in, and, you know, he sat me down. He's like, you ready for the, the results? And I was like, yeah. You know, I was going to go back and watch the film and just get ready to play against the, uh, the Colts. And he was like, well, you tore it. And I was just like, what? I, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel no burn. I didn't feel no pop. And it was just like, uh, yeah, you're done for the year. So we just have to figure out what you want to do with the surgery and, and go in and correct it. It's just a clean ACL. So we're fixing and you'll be back in no time. The first thing I did was call my mom and, and I called my agent. Those were the two people I called. What were those conversations like? What was said? Uh, well, my, well, my mom, you know, she, she got that call before. So it was kind of. Yeah, first was kind of, uh, you know, down for her because she was ready to see me play. But at the same time, she said, keep your head up, um, you know, Deshaun, and, and you've been through it before. You're going to get through it again and just come back stronger. She said she loved me. And then with my agent, it's funny because uh, he thought I was just joking around. You know, we play a lot, uh, you know, through tests and group chats and stuff like that. So he thought I was just joking. And uh, you know, he just kept saying, you for real, you for real. And he called me and I was like, yeah, you can talk to the doctor now. And uh, and he was heartbroken also because he was prepared for me to have a a great season. What did you do to get through it? There's the physical part of it, but with the physical part always comes an emotional aftermath. Right, right. What was that emotional aftermath for you? 
Um, I was in good spirits, actually. I mean, the first month was always, just, like my last one, it was just terrible. Um, I was just moody, uh, still on drugs and pain meds and just kind of couldn't really move around like I wanted to and, and just seeing, you know, how the season went from going upward to, you know, back down. And it was just tough. Um, and just being able to come in each and every day and just kind of see my, my teammates walk by me, ask me how I'm doing, but I couldn't be in the meeting room, walk throughs and on the practice field with them. And it was just kind of... I was heartbroken, uh, so I didn't really want to talk to anyone. Just had my headphones in and did my rehab and, and just went home and, and fell asleep. But uh, after that first month when I started moving around and then, you know, I had other guys like J.J. and Whitney and, and Tyler Irvin and Deontay Foreman, you know, those guys in the, in the training room with me, it, it kind of lightened up the mood. And we just all just, you know, came at one and said we're going to get through it together. It's interesting to me that you say that you had your headphones in in your own world, hood up, right? Right. <laughs> Just in your own space. Right. That's not like you. Right. What does that tell you about that emotional aftermath? It's just uh, nothing that I want to experience no more. I mean, it's just, you know, me, you know me, I'm, I'm always smiling. I'm always, you know, hyped up, the, the man that's, you know, brightening up the whole crowd and the whole group. But, uh you know, just in that situation, it just—it was just negative, and I hate negative energy, negative vibes, and I'm always trying to, you know, give out positive stuff. So, um, nothing that I want to experience again. When you're going through that, what's providing you the distraction you need just to get through it? Uh, just all types of music. Uh, just trying to imagine myself in a, another person's world, and, and just try to just get my mind off what I was dealing with at the time, um, and just try to, you know get through the days one by one imagine yourself in another person's world whose world were you in <laughs> where were you man i was uh, i was in plenty of people's worlds i mean all the, the the music i listened to the rap music um i mean that's all pretty much i listen to hip-hop and rap anybody any artist from Atlanta, uh just kind of listening to what their what their words are saying in the music and just try to get through it you noted that you've been through this before right at clemson how did this rehab compare to that one um, this one was a little bit more smoother because I kind of expect what to go through in the stages. Uh, with my first one, I didn't really know what to expect. So there was a lot of questions, a lot of, uh, what's next? When can I do this? When can I do that? But with the one I had last year, I kind of already knew the stages. After two months, I can do this. After three months, I can do this. It was more of, uh, you know, how I was feeling, making sure I was feeling well, doing the massages, doing, taking the vitamins and, and uh, eating right and, and being able to get the rest and, and sleep and stuff like that and getting the cold tub. So I was more prepared this time. You noted the teammates that helped buoy you. Right. Mama helped buoy you. Agent, all those people. How do they help buoy you? What do they say to you when you need that shoulder? Honestly, not too much because I'm, uh, I'm self-motivated and really think, other than they were kind of there, just kind of, you know, really watching me and just, you know, having those positive vibes around me. So we really didn't talk about the knee, talk about football. It was more, you know, watching movies, music, uh, playing a game, things like that to kind of, you know, brighten my day when I couldn't move around like that. Um, but anytime I was trying to, you know, get discouraged, take a step back, they might say something, you know, uh, get back on track. You know, uh, my agent would be like, hey, D, tighten up. Uh, little things like that, you know, I just get back on track. But there was rare times where I kind of fell off and got discouraged. Um, they were just around just to make sure that I was good and, and I was just, you know, having fun. Any depression? Nah, not really. I'm not, nah, I wouldn't say I was depressed, not at all. I wouldn't say that. <laughs>
19 touchdowns in seven games. Nobody's ever done that before. Right. Why were you able to have that success so early? I love the end zone. I love the score. I love score points. <laughs> and, the, and the things that, you know, Coach O'Brien was letting us do, he was letting me be me. He wasn't trying to change my skill set or anything like that. He was applying my skill set to his offense and, and the previous things he'd done in the, in the past and what he wanted to do in the future and just applying everyone else's skill set. We got a lot of guys that can go vertical. A lot of guys can go sideways, a lot of speed. A lot of guys can do different things. So uh, we were just, you know, applying uh, everything that we had in, into one, and we are just having fun capitalizing. You have a smile on your face. You're trying to stifle it, too. <laughs> you can't wait to get back out there. I can't. Can't. It's, <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun, for sure. The Patriots game was basically your coming out party right. to America. Right. Hey, y'all, I'm here. What do you remember about that day? I went toe-to-toe with one of the best. Um, and that's what I've been dreaming for since I was a little kid. Uh, you know, going into an environment like that, their home field, and, and just being able to show the world that I can play at this level and play really, really well. And um, we came out short, but uh, there was a lot of learning moments and good experiences that came with it, and, and we just grew it. What did Tom Brady say to you that day? He said, keep working. Uh, he, he was proud of what I was doing and, and the things that uh, kind of, you know, I was growing up and, and the things I was seeing, especially at an early age. Um, you know, he's, what, 18 years in. I'm one year in, so <laughs> he's seen a lot of football, so he's seen a lot of good players. And uh, it was just cool because I got his number after the game. We swapped jerseys, and he sent me his book, you know, with a note in it. So it was cool to be able to, you know, build a relationship and build a friendship between him and, and uh, going to continue to grow with it. What did the note say? I uh, just, you know, what's up, D, Deshaun Watson? Uh, you know, keep grinding, keep, you know, keep pushing forward. Um, you have a fan in me, and, uh, you know, look forward to, you know, seeing you uh, be successful in the field. Deshaun, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. For sure. What's it like to get that kind of note from him? It's dope. It's, uh, like I said before, it's, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Uh, you know, motivate me to, to try to, you know, outdo what he's doing now. And uh, if I'm lucky enough, the best enough, you know, to play it that long, uh, I want to be up there and be, you know, named like him. There are certain players who have no qualms going after other guys. Right. All right. Richard Sherman, he's not going to give any compliments. After the Seahawks game, he gave you the highest of compliments. We played everybody, and he's really, really good. Jalen Ramsey just burnt down the whole league. <laughs> he said you're going to be the MVP of the league. When you hear that type of praise from those types of players, how do you react? Uh, you know, I smile. Um, it's, that's another, uh, some, some cool compliments that I got and, and just, you know, try to take my game to another level because, uh, you know, I don't want to make myself look dumb and I don't want to make those players look dumb. You know, every team I play against, regardless of who it is, I always show respect, I always, you know, compete to the highest level. But like I said, I always show respect. So, um, and I just go out there and do what I do. And those guys respect, you know, respect me. I respect them and real recognize real. And they know when football players can play. And I guess they see that I can, you know, play football. That Seahawks defense is legendary. Right. And, man, you went 409 and four touchdowns, I think. What do you remember about that day? That day, uh, first thing that popped in my mind, I gave Look up a pick six. I love this grin. <laughs> I gave up a pick since Earl Thomas. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about that before I talk about the day was we have the same agent, men, uh, Earl, David Malagueta, and we have like a, a summer event 
uh, that we have like a bowling uh, charity function in Austin, Texas. And before this even start, he's like, uh, you're probably going to get me on one play, but I'm going to get you right back. And literally, that's what <laughs> happened. I threw a ball on the Will Fuller. We got the ball back. We're driving, and he picks me. And it was funny because once uh, they were getting ready to kick it off, he was pacing up and down the sideline if you watched the game. And he's looking at me, and he go like this. Because <laughs> he knows that's what we talked about. But, uh, I mean, that day was just electric. It was just, you know, another opportunity for me to, to show the world that I can play with the best. And, uh, you know, my teammates and, and myself, you know, we just went out there and played free. And we had a lot of fun doing it. Hurricane Harvey was a year ago. What did that do to this city? I brought the city together. Um, I feel like this city was, you know, already together and, and close close-knitted, but once that happened, it just brought, especially the, the professional sports, everyone just kind of, you know, supported each other even harder. Uh, brought the fan base and the community uh, a lot more tight, and um, it's just one big family. It's one it's one Houston, um, Houston strong, as they say, and uh, everyone is supporting everyone. Why was it important for you to give your first game check to employees here with the Texans? Uh, that was just kind of a, really a last-second thing. Um, I found out these these three ladies that was working, they work hard here before anybody, last ones to leave, cleaning, always have smiles on their faces, and they never complained, never uh, said anything about what they missed, what happened to them. So no one would have never known until one of our um, one of our directors, you know, was kind of just talking. I overheard them saying that these three ladies, you know, is going to be that need kind of help. And I just called my financial advisor and told him, hey, my first game check, can you split it up in three and, and can you give it to him? Just send him the next morning. And, um, and I got with Amy and, and she, you know, kind of made it a surprise. And after my workout, we went and, and gave it to him. And they just cried. And it was just important because I, you know, I had people that helped me come from where I come from when I didn't have anything. So when they lost everything that they were building, I wanted to be able to help out. How'd your advisor react? Yeah, he was no question about it. Once I said it, he was like, okay, cool. I sent it up. And it'd be that first thing in the morning, and it was. How did it make you feel to see their reactions to your generosity? It just gives me chills um, because they they wasn't expecting it. They didn't they didn't ask for anything. They didn't you know beg for anything. It wasn't going around the players. You know, when the players were coming in for food, uh, hey, can you help me with this? They were just doing their job. I always had smiles on their face when they could have easily been, you know left or, you know, complained about everything, but it was just cool just to, to see them smile and, and feel the joy that they, you know, had a, a helping hand and someone that cared about. I know the Astros won the World Series. That was huge for this town. But given what the town has managed emotionally in the aftermath of that hurricane, what do you think a Super Bowl would mean to it? Oh, it would be crazy. Super Bowl would be crazy. First one in, in franchise uh, history in, in this organization. I mean, shh. It'll be be lights out, especially after what the Astros do it, uh, did with theirs, what the Rockets are building, and then for us to come do it, man, the city be on fire. <laughs> There's a lot of stars in this town. All right. All right. We got Harden, we got Chris Paul, we got Altuve. A lot of stars in this town. JJ. All right. Where are you in that list? Uh, I don't know. I think I'm up there. From what it seems, from right here. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm rising up to, towards that way. Uh, but, I mean, it's cool, just the love and support that I get from the city. Um, I've, 
you know, made this my home, um, just like Gainesville, Georgia, but this is this is home for me. Um, and, you know, I love being here. I love the people here, and I love, you know, the community. I love just kind of going out and going to the store or going out to restaurants and being able to talk to people, be a normal person. What's it like to go out to a restaurant for Deshaun Watson these days? Uh, it's cool, actually, uh, especially now. You know, everyone's pumped up for the season, so they just kind of, you know, getting fired up for that. But, I mean, everyone just made me feel feel comfortable, feel home. Uh, it's not one of those deals where I kind of want to go out and kind of don't want to be around people. You know, I'm I'm good to be around people because they support me and uh, make me feel good. What comes with fame that you didn't expect? Uh, I don't know. Uh, just really uh, just kind of the, the outside things that, that that really, I mean, I, I know before that everyone was watching my move. Um, you know, I kind of knew that you're kind of in a glass bubble, but it's just a lot of responsibility, and you got to make sure your priorities are straight, and and uh, you know watch your surroundings, and and make sure you're doing the right things, and making sure that you're uh, doing what you got to do to fulfill whatever you want to fulfill and be successful. If you don't get injured, what's your rookie season look like? If I don't get injured in my rookie season, um, I actually <laughs> funny thing is the day before I got injured, I was sitting there talking to Bruce, Bruce Ellington, DeAndre Hopkins, and Will Fuller. And uh, I said, if I if I stay healthy and we all stay healthy, I'm going for 75 touchdowns. And you can book it. And they're like, I believe you, I believe you. And that's that you hurt, but I'm scoring 75 touchdowns. We make it to the playoffs, and we just however that take us, we go from there. But as far as like points, I was guaranteed to score 75 touchdowns. And the cool stat came out. I think if I would have stayed and I was kept on that rate. I think the stat would have been like seventy-one. Wow! It's on it's on Twitter. Someone tweeted out one of the sports analysts, but I was going for seventy-five touchdowns. For How sure. did you come to decide seventy-five was the number? I don't know. I just kind of picked. I, I just went a random number. I shoot high. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> shoot high, and I just said seventy-five. And the stat came out this summer, and I think it was like seventy-one, seventy-two. So appreciate it, my awesome, man. Brother. Yes, sir. You guys can see why I appreciate him so much. Um, I love his personal belief in himself because, I mean, listen to what he said. He said, I want to be the MVP of the league. I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to be a Hall of Famer. And this is a young man, when he has his mind set on things, he has a very distinct way of accomplishing them. And I also love when people silence critics because he felt like he should have been the number one pick in the draft. He told me that himself before the draft in 2017. And a lot of people passed on him. And he goes 12 to the Texans. And it's interesting talking to them. And I read a great story about how itchy they were that someone may take him before they had the opportunity to get him because they felt like in Houston, this is a generational player. And they were right. And he's going to tear this league up for a long time. And I'm thrilled for his success. Those of you who don't know his story, I want to just take a moment to share it. Deshaun grew up in Gainesville, Georgia, in a rough area. It was a tough area where Deshaun grew up, and you heard him discuss it there in the interview a bit. But 
he went to a church Halloween party when he was a little boy, and he came home with a bag of candy. And like any parent, his mom took the bag of candy and inspected the candy, and in the bottom of that bag of candy, there was a flyer, a little brochure for Habitat for Humanity, and it intrigued Deshaun's mom. So she looks at this flyer, looks at this pamphlet, and decides right there, this might be a way out. Well, she worked multiple jobs. It's not like she had a lot of time on her hands. But she somehow managed to work those jobs, keep food on the table for her children, and volunteer more than 200 hours for the Habitat for Humanity group to meet the requisite parameters for her to get her own Habitat for Humanity home and get Deshaun and his siblings into a better life and a more promising future. And when she qualified for that home, they moved into that home, and it was fully furnished all the way down to the last gallon of milk in the refrigerator by former NFL star running back Warwick Dunn. And Warwick became a mentor for Deshaun and... One reason that Deshaun is so selfless in giving back himself is he saw his mother's sacrifice and he saw what Warwick Dunn did for his family and for him. Many of you guys have heard that moment where John Landau in 1974 saw Bruce Springsteen for the first time and he said, I have seen the future of rock and roll and it is Bruce Springsteen. That same moment happened to Dabo Sweeney and his staff when they went to Gainesville, Georgia and saw Deshaun Watson play football. They said, we have seen the future of Clemson football and it is Deshaun Watson. And my goodness, they were right. Transcendent, transformative talent and did amazing things at Clemson. Threw for more than 800 yards against Alabama in back-to-back national championship games. Of course, that's combined total. Just a phenomenal career and a phenomenal young man and someone that I tell all my friends when they ask, who should be my kid's hero? That's who I tell them. And I mean it. Uh, he's a great, he's a great human being. Speaking of great human beings, uh, it's time for the Marty Party. What are we going to do, bud? We're going to drink one of these beers. Hand me one of them damn beers real quick. What's up, man? Marty Party. This week in the Marty Party, I want to tell you guys a story. It's the week of September 11th, and it's a week of remembrance for us as a nation. It still is one of those moments that I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what I was doing. I remember the horror of the reaction that I had when I turned on the news and saw what was going on. And I am so appreciative of our military all around this world who on a daily basis sacrifice so much to give us so much. And the number one thing that they offer us is freedom. And it sickens me how desensitized we are to freedom because it is our greatest resource as a nation. We are free to bicker. We are free to go and move and do and be. We are free to disagree with one another. And one thing that I get so pissed off at myself about is when I see some criticism on social media of something I've done or the way I look or the way I talk. 
and I actually react to that criticism. I hate myself when I do that because it's petty and it's shallow. And I'm reminded of that when I meet people like Sean McCaffrey, a gentleman with whom I had the great blessing of spending part of the pregame ceremonies at Notre Dame, Michigan on the sideline at Notre Dame Stadium. I had walked onto the field because I love the pageantry and the passion and the tradition that comes with the pregame ceremonies in college football. There is absolutely nothing that compares to it. Each place has its own special traditions and its own special intricacies. And whether it's their fight song or the choreography or the way the fans cheer or the alma mater, every place has its own unique, amazing pageantry. It was the first time I'd ever seen a game at Notre Dame. And it was honest to goodness. It was God country in Notre Dame. They prayed. I loved that Notre Dame put the, the players in the locker room before they run out, say the Lord's Prayer, and they put it on the big screen at Notre Dame. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And the band's marching. And they have a ceremony where they raise the flag and then they do the national anthem. And during that entire moment, I was standing with Sean McCaffrey and his two sons. Sean was invited to Notre Dame by the administration there. And uh, he walked over and said hello and asked me if he could take a photograph. And I said, well, of course. And I asked him his name and he told me. And he told me that he had just gotten home from 13 months in Afghanistan. I would later learn from Notre Dame officials that it was, in fact, his fourth tour and that he was, in fact, a bronze star for valor recipient for his heroism in the conflict. And that is a humbling thing to see, especially when the smile on his face was so bright and his little boys were so precious. And he said to me that when he got home from the most recent tour, all he wanted was Chick-fil-A and Notre Dame football. And he kept thanking me continually. I mean, several times was thanking me for what I do because it was this diversion for them over there. And I, I don't even know how to react to that. I don't even know how to respond when somebody says something like that who's over there and who has been such a hero. It's the most humbling thing you can possibly hear because honestly, I love this job. I have the greatest job on earth, but man, in the, in the broad scope, man, it's trivial. And it's wonderful to learn that we can create a sense of home for those who are protecting our freedom. And I want to thank Sean. I want to thank his brothers and sisters. I want to thank everyone involved in the, the hourly, the minute by minute passion and the minute by minute devotion to protecting us as American citizens, both foreign and domestically. And I felt like it was important to tell you guys that story because I want every one of us to have that approach. I'd like to charge you guys with this. When I see folks wearing hats, whether it's a Marine, Army, Air Force, Navy, veteran. Anyone that has on those hats that professes their service, 
change your course, walk over to that person, and thank that person. Because it matters to them. It matters to them to be acknowledged, even if they don't show it. They appreciate it, and they deserve it. I try to do that myself, no matter how big a hurry I'm in, running through an airport or hauling into a gas station or a restaurant. If I see that hat, I'm taking the time. And I I know that those veterans appreciate that. So try to take that time if you can. We live in the greatest nation on this planet. And there's a reason that we live in the greatest nation on this planet. And it's those folks who serve our country. Thank you to every one of you guys. And with that, it's time for the Hillbilly Hotline. Words, sayings, or just a way of life. Roman candles? That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. <laughs> this is Hillbillyisms. This is T Horn in uh, little southeastern Indiana. And uh, as far as a hold my beer story, I wish it was, but uh, I am recovering here on this first Sunday of uh, NFL season from a fractured shoulder which I suffered trying to take a friend of mine's little granddaughter up a big inflatable death trap of a water slide. And we were still at the bottom when uh, the charming cherub on top let loose of the ropes and came plummeting back to earth over top of six other kids and myself. So uh, people have said, well, had it been a hold my beer incident, maybe I'd have been lubed up enough to have bounced better and not been hurt at all. But uh, none of the kids got hurt. I broke their fall. So there you go. Thanks for the shows. Really like them. Bye. That was uh, as dad a story as you're going to get. Protect the young at all costs. I do love, though, Travis, that at least he qualified. Man, I wish this was a hold my beer story because everybody loves a good hold my beer story. Well, it, it also makes it big. feel better too. Like if he, you can blame it on something, this he's got nothing to blame it on other than some kid took him out. Nothing to blame it on other than Junior take wiping out the whole posse, wiping out Dad, wiping out six or eight other kids, and unfortunately he can't blame it on old Milwaukee. Maybe next time, maybe he should tighten it up and try harder next time. See, he's learned his lesson now. All of us have to learn and evolve and try to do better the next time. Hopefully, he can pull that off. I wish there was a video because this thing would have went viral on on Instagram. Absolutely no question. Nothing's funnier than seeing a little kid take out an adult, right? I mean, that's just funny. And you can't get mad afterwards because it's a little kid. No, no, you can't get mad. You can't retaliate. You can't get mad. All you can do is sit there and lick your wounds and make – you know what he probably did? I would like to know if after that occurred, if he just walked straight to the beer fridge. I would have. Just put your arm in the uh, cooler. I mean, it's hard to a, – a, a fractured scapulae, that's a serious injury. And when you're – you know, when you're – I wonder how old he is. How old do you think he was? Mid-30s? Maybe Gotta 40? Be. Yeah. Look, Late man, 30s, mid-40s. He, he's your age. There's a reason that the little guys didn't get hurt because little guys have – Little guy's bones, I'm convinced, are like green saplings, right? They bend and bend and bend. It takes a lot to snap them. Not adults. We're old and brittle and fragile. And his scapulae 
is a testament to that. But again, look, man, at all costs, you have to save the youngins. And he did that. Hey, he sacrificed a shoulder for the youngins. I give him credit. He can go home oh. and he can be a hero to his wife. Like, honey, I, I save the kid. I've got this fractured shoulder. I need to watch football and drink a beer. I think he had a plan. I, Travis, I think you're on to him. Now he, he doesn't have to go do any yard work. He doesn't have to blow up any, doesn't have to blow up any, uh, pool toys. All he has to do is sit there with a bag of peas on his shoulder and watch the Panthers beat the Cowboys. You know, you know, the, you know, summer's almost over fall. He doesn't have to go rake the leaves, mow the yard now. He's got some time off for him and football. Do you call it mow the yard? Yeah. Well, what do you call yeah, it? Some, I, I call it, well, you, I think there's many variations. Cut the I grass. Think there's cut the grass. I think there's mow the grass. I think there's mow the lawn. And I think those are the three most prevalent. But I think if I, I I'm, I'm going to go cut the grass. I think I'm a cut the grass guy, not mow the lawn guy. I'm more of the mow. Well, yeah, you're from Ohio. Though I'm I was never Virginia. I was never allowed to mow uh, most of the times because my lines weren't straight enough for my dad's liking. It's hard to live up to dad's expectations, Travis. That's just part of the package. I uh, I remember one time when I was little, we went to visit my aunt and uncle at their cottage, this place called Bennett Springs, Virginia, and they had a riding lawnmower, and I'd never seen one of these before. I'd never had one, so you could disengage the blade. And so they disengaged the blade. I just wanted to drive it so badly. And, uh, I get on this riding lawnmower and I bet you I ran, I ran that thing out of gas, dude. I rode it in circles around the backyard until it was out of gas. The best part about mowers now is the cup holders because they know that people then can have their beer while they just mow the yard. Well, that's like air and water. The question I mean, is though, look, you've got three kids. Have you ever injured yourself in the protection of younger ones yes when mia my middle child my daughter she is nine years old now when she was like six months old she got up crying in the middle of the night it was time to feed her and i mean it's probably four o'clock in the morning somewhere around in there and in our home all of the bedrooms were upstairs at the time and the nursery was adjacent to Laney in my room. And Mia was in the crib. And so I reached down and I get Mia. And when parents will understand, when you're in that moment where you're getting up all the time, um, you're a zombie all the time. Like your mind is never clear. And so I picked Mia up still half asleep. I mean, I, I probably had my eyes still closed. And I came out of the nursery and around the banister to the stairs to go downstairs to feed her. And unfortunately, the um, the arch of my foot, that's what it's called. Unfortunately, the arch of my foot hit the top of the stair where the stair at a 90 degree angle goes down. And my entire body, my, my foot slipped out from under me, dude. And I'm holding Mia in one arm, and she shoots out, dude, like gone. So I reach out in terror, in horror, and I pull her little body into me like a punt, and we go all the way to the floor, first floor, 14 stairs down. 
She is screaming at the top of her lungs, of course. I'm terrified that I have hurt her. Laney is terrified. Laney shoots up out of bed and comes running out. What did you do? And so I wound up taking her to the emergency room. She was fine, thank God. I was not. I I could not walk correctly for weeks. I think I broke my coccyx, man. You know that tailbone? Wait, what? Well, you you broke your what? It, but we have it. You broke coccyx. your what? Coccyx. I think I did. I think I broke that thing. And I'm sure that it's still cattywampus back there. But, uh, hey, you got to do what you got to do, man. As a parent, it's all about protecting the kids first. And even though it was on me, I felt like I did a pretty solid job of making sure that she emerged unscathed. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the Marty Smith's America podcast for this week. Um, thank you so much to the Houston Texans and to Deshaun Watson for giving me that time with Deshaun. I uh, hope I get to do it again someday with him. Again, you guys heard me say, I just, uh, I can't say enough kind things about him. Thank you so much to Smithfield for being such a great partner of mine. I have the, uh, Eckrich million dollar throw at the college football playoff. I have the Smithfield bacon for life. Uh, we did this series of videos that's about to come out socially. I went to, <laughs> I went out into the city and I asked people randomly on the street what they, what would happen if they won bacon for life. I can't wait for you guys to see these videos. They are funny. Can I, man. can I try to win this or am I like not allowed to? Dude, go out and buy some bacon, especially marked packages. Just, I mean, listen to the advertisement, bro. I didn't know because if I'm on this podcast, if I'm, you know, I, I can't win it. You're not, no, you're not. All right, good. Cause go I want some, it. I want some bacon. Well, Travis, what would you do if you won bacon for life? How would you react? Oh, I'd be happy. Because ba- like, baking, like it says, it goes with everything. And then also one thing that I didn't mention, if you like Bloody Marys, put a piece of bacon in that Bloody Mary. Yes. I mean, look, it's the most versatile food on earth. And not only that, I mean, if I won bacon for life, I'd probably make a bacon mattress and just sleep on it. I don't know if Laney would like that. No, I don't think she would. Uh, we're in the market for a mattress right now. That's why that's on my mind. Anyway, um, so thank you to Smithfield. It's appreciated so much your partnership and, uh, support and belief in this project. Uh, it matters to me and it matters to Travis. Travis, thank you for getting us these amazing guests all the time. Louise, thanks again for being crazy enough to put us on and to our military. As I said earlier, uh, thank you so much for keeping us free and serving your country all over the world because uh, your service gives us the greatest country in the world. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. As I say all the time, I know it seems trivial, man, but it matters to us. Uh, it really helps our product if you'll go subscribe to it, rate it, and review it. And we love your calls, as you guys heard. Tell us your crazy tailgating stories. Tell us your funny stories about seeing mullets tell us your jorts stories hold my beer stories are always hilarious we want to hear all of them hit us up at 860-516-1315 right you got it yes i'm finally getting there after six months 860-516-1315 hit us up man i know you guys have funny stories to share hit us up man 
That's the Marty Smith America podcast, volume 26. I can't wait for 27. Thank you guys. Have an awesome week.